It is Sam Sermons on another episode of What Do I Do Now? Of course, this podcast really is just taking on legs of its own because I've been able to have real conversations with people that I actually know, that I actually admire. And this is a full circle moment because when I first started doing radio in Muncie at WCRD on campus of Ball State, um, it, you know, it was cool for a second, but then I got together with DJ B-Rat, shot the bread, putting together really? a... Um, a whole a team of situation introducing me to people that have been like lifelong friends, lifelong family. And I have the honor and privilege of speaking to one of my great friends, one of um, someone I do consider family. Dr. Jared Dortch has joined the platform. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. I'm tired. Had a long night last night. Take that Tuesday. Uh, coaches downtown Indianapolis. Uh, it's, you know, it's Thanksgiving week. Um, so here in Indianapolis, we uh, we we like to enjoy that week uh, from Tuesday to Sunday. We try to have a good time and make sure that people get home safe, and do the right things, and um, really just kind of reward ourselves for all the hard work uh, that goes into being uh, for me of being a black man in this country, in this city, in this state, in this world. So cheers to that. I'm here. There we go. <laughs> cheers to all the folks back in that three one seven Circle City. They know what it is, but um. Let's go back to how we initially first met. It was, you know, the Loud Pack show. We was doing Man. it um, Thursday nights and really creating a lot of havoc. But how did uh, Brad hit you up about possibly doing it? See, it's hilarious because I met Bradley when uh, he was like a middle schooler. And I was making, uh, I, was, I was burning CDs. I was doing a, a, a camp type deal up at, up at Ball State. And I was burning CDs and selling them to the kids while I was there. Um, so after that, you know, I kind of followed him and he had got back to me when I first came back to Ball State to finish my degree. And he was talking about the things he was doing and we was hanging out and spending time. Then he was like, you know, it'd be good to have, you know, a different voice, a different type of voice uh, on the show because you know, I was a little bit older than everybody else. I had already, you know, got my degrees and was working on my master's and starting my doctor. So I brought a little bit of different perspective, he thought. And uh, once I got into the room with everybody and starting uh, to talking to people and you know, we all the same, just at different levels, at different times, different planes. Uh, it ended up being one of the best experiences that I had, man. Uh, being able to uh, communicate with the campus, with the community, in a way that wasn't as straightforward and strict uh, as being a professor is, it really made a difference for me. And one of the things that people didn't know is that, you know, I've been doing a lot of things outside of radio, but that's been my goal from, like, day one. Uh, is to be a radio personality or to do things on radio podcast. And now, you know, it's always a real good space because these are the type of things you can do for your, you know, I could be crippled and, and fragile and frail, but as long as I can run his mouth and my work, my head works, I can still, you know, produce. So that opportunity was really cool to me. I'm, I'm a big music fan, but also it gave me uh, a chance to actually see how the studio works, how, uh, you know, you break down uh, an episode, how you break down uh, your drops and you, you put in your, your commercials and all those things, uh, things that I had, you know, I, as a studier, as a knowledge-based person, I knew these things, but I hadn't experienced them. So mm -hmm. that's those same tools and those same things have been an asset to me uh, 10 years later as I do uh, radio work here in Indianapolis, uh, WQRT, 93.1 uh, uh, Indianapolis uh, Community Radio Station, or if I'm doing a podcast for myself, these are all opportunities for me. Uh, pardon me, 99.1. These are all opportunities for me uh, to use the information in the situation that we had back in the day uh, to further myself and to further my community. So it's been a beautiful thing. Shout out to DJ B-Rad. That's my guy right there. He put me on to a whole lot of game that I've been using. Like, 
my hustle was strong, but his hustle was strong. Well, like from the time I met him again, when he was a grown man in college, his hustle game was always been inspirational. So I want to make sure that I put that out there in the air, in the atmosphere, so that whoever hears this hears the respect that I have for that young man. Absolutely. And again, B Red had the vision for the show because when I came in, um, talking to me like, hey, you probably want a DJ on the show. I'm like, yeah, I want to do something like that. But he saw it way past more than just a DJ and someone that's talking on the radio. Like he had everything covered from sports, uh, politics, from the parties that was going on. Like we literally were doing what I'm doing now at Ball State. It was a like literally he was the one man show. The promoter put it all together. So and even with our loud pack show weekend, we did the give back weekend. We did like I'm without him. None of that's possible. So absolutely got to get credit to I'm gonna give it a government name, Bradley Barwell. But that's DJ B. Rad. Those that know, yeah. know. And if you don't know, get familiar. Now you know. He's yeah, still, you that guy. still to this yeah. day. So I'm glad we we're able to, uh, you know, give him the proper respect and homage that he earned. Um, between yeah, us, but um, let's go into what your boss that experience was because, again, like you, you had already gotten your undergrad degree, you're working on your master's, going to your doctorate. Now, for me, I didn't know too many, you know, folks in the master's at the master's program at Ball State at that time, but now going into now, you have a doctor in front of your name, like you, like, you know what, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna make sure that folks put the respect on my name and then some. So what was that like at Ball State? Because my personal Ball State story is one that I'm trying to, like, even rewrite as we speak. But what was your experience like being a black man at Ball State? Like, honestly, um, I'm a loyal person. So, you know, all three of my degrees are from Ball State. And one of those reasons is that Ball State, uh, for all intents and purposes, probably saved my life. Um, You know, I was always a a bright young man. I was always smart, but I I didn't always have the best – decision-making processes and I always didn't put myself in the best situations. Um, so going to college and leaving the city of Indianapolis, uh, gave me an opportunity for, I won't say I felt safe or com- like, it's a little different. Like, I mean, like I said, as a black man in America, I'll never feel safe. Um, as a black man in Indianapolis, you know, you know how it is. Uh, I, I feel safer because I'm around more people that I know. But when I was in Muncie at Ball State, I felt like as a man, it was an opportunity for me to grow um, in, a, in a more nurturing environment. And when I got to Ball State, it was still a little bit smaller than it is now. Mm-hmm. So there was still a lot more. Oh, rest in peace, Phil Dunn passed away just recently. Uh, was my was my uh, my advisor coming in? Uh, he was a musician, black man, strong brother in the community. Uh, he will be missed. Um, so there were people there that took me under their wing. My brother actually passed away within the first six weeks of school uh, when I went to Ball State. He died like nine eleven. It was nineteen. I hate to date myself, but. Uh, it was 99, yeah. So he passed away that first six weeks of school. So the community that was there kind of uplifted me and held me up uh, and made sure that I didn't fall and just leave and get into things that I would have been uh, – I would have been a waste of my talent and my ability if I hadn't got into those things. So Ball State will always have a special place in my heart because of so many of the, the, the people that I met there that took such good care of me, so many people there that I met – that shared their experience and shared their time, uh, their energy, their uh, their knowledge and know-how, and just made sure that I felt like I was in a comfortable situation. I know that wasn't the same way that everybody felt, really every black man on that campus. And my job is when I was there was basically to, as I got older, 
especially like nearing the end of my undergraduate career, starting my master's, uh, it was my turn to step up and be that leader and be that individual that provided those uh, those necessary experiences and discussions and leadership and mentorship to those younger brothers that were on campus because I had been blessed to have so many people step up, male, female, black, white, and everything in between that made sure that I was going to be a success while I was there. And I had a, I had a ball, like a ball. I had a great time. You know, I had a great time. But I made sure that I, you know, I got through, I uh, got my grades together, and I was able to pass down some of the things that I was able to do to others uh, to make sure that they can survive and, and be successful as well. So I see so many young people or younger people than me that I supported or was around in school that are out here doing their thing now, and it just brings joy to my heart because I feel like I, as long as I had that much, you know, an inkling of uh, one iota even of uh, of pushing them forward, that I know I did my job as a as a man up there, you know. Definitely, and I want to. You know, you you brought it up. So you said IOTA. Now I gotta, you know, mention the IOTA Phi Theta Fraternity Incorporated is something you are very proud to represent. It's even on the shirt that you're wearing yeah. right now. Yeah. It's not something you put down. Um, as someone that came up and I didn't while I was an undergrad, I didn't see any lines. I didn't see any if it was an IOTA on campus, it was you on campus. It was me. It was me. Um, so yeah. um yeah. for that experience, for that Greek life decision that you made to be an iota a man of iota um what what how did you get i guess what was the end i don't know if i want to say it like that like how would how did you how were you approached to be like hey you know what i want to i got this you know fraternity that i believe you'd be a great fit for and to where you are present day with it because it's like some people like okay i'm not gonna lie i've seen the like people renouncing it and this that and the yeah. other some people grow out of it. Some people are just like, I'm not. and there's different levels of commitment within fraternity, the Greek life. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. But I've gone through all those things. Like, I've never renounced. I'm not ever going to renounce my organization. Um, but there have been times where I've been inactive. I haven't been as active as I, as I, uh, as I used to be. But I've always, I mean, that's one thing. And I hate to cut you off. Sorry about that. But, um, good. I, you know, this, this I have attached two of my fraternity shield on my arm. So that's something I'm going to die with. Um uh, that's part of my life, but I chose to make the decision I made because I felt that even with the organizations that were on campus at the time, and no disrespect to any of them, some really good men and women that have been my close friends have always supported me, um, were very supportive of me, even in the choices I made. It just none of it felt m like me personally. There were parts of each organization, all the male organizations that um, that had parts of who I was or parts of how I felt, but none of them spoke to me. Uh, like my organization, uh, I don't find that Fraternity Incorporated did because we were born out of like hardship. All of us were born out of hardship. Like all of us were born out of hardship. Um, we were born out of a time where we were also able to speak on that hardship too. Um, coming out of the 60s, coming out of the civil rights movement, um, we were founded uh, just right after the, the March on Washington, really. Like these are all things that played into the essence of being an IOTA man. And then after learning about the history of my organization, and being around the brothers, I realized that, you know, I could be the Jared that I need to be to be who I am, but also can be part of this organization without it being like a hassle. Like, there's never been a time where I was told to wear the same jacket, the same coat, or, you know, all those things that traditionally or stereotypically, uh, and it happens. When it's really on campus. It's a lot different when you're younger and you're on campus. You know, you can tell who's who by just looking. Like, oh, hey, you know, things like that. And I was always able to be myself. And I think that um, because I was able to be myself uh, genuinely, 
it attracted other individuals to want to support not only myself but my organization. I think that um, a lot of it came from, and part of it also was like, this is gonna sound bad, but it was like fuck you to the other ones too. I'm not gonna lie. Like part of it was that. That's this kind of who I am though. Um, like instead of having to do what everybody else is doing or for to go and try to kiss somebody's behind and trying to uh, walk behind them and learn from them, I said, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and step out uh, as a leader myself. Uh, I, I already was doing a lot of community service activities, leading on campus. Uh, and I thought, you know what? The next thing that I could do that would uh, cause a wave and a ripple would be to, you know, I was the first member of my organization on campus. Uh, me and my lawn brother. So I was the founder of my, of my, of my, uh, my colony there. Uh, it's a chapter now and they, they've had more brothers come through since I've been gone, but um, it was my decision to make, really to make a, a statement that you got, and I was to say, one of the best motherfuckers around on campus right here and he chose to go somewhere else. You might want to look at the practices that you're taking uh, to see why you're going to lose out on some talent like that. Like business-wise, what are you doing? Like that you're missing out on an individual such as this that's so impactful on campus. And that's not a pound in the back. It's just a stone cold truth. Um, and that was one of the reasoning. I mean, it's, sometimes I'm just that guy sometimes. I wanted to do something that um, would stick out, that would be different, but also would provide opportunity for individuals that were like-minded to have another option that may fit them better than some of the options that were available to them at the time. Um, so no disrespect to any of the other organizations. It's always going to be love. Um, you know, all love in the culture, uh, in the, you know, being black people, being college students, but there was an opportunity for me to make I, what I felt was going to be a difference. And that was my choice. So that's why I ride with it every day. I see. And I think that's an incredible story. I didn't, I never knew that like in this like platform, like I'm, I've been finding more, more and more about people and their origin story. And it's, I would have never, I would have never known you started the Ball State chapter of your return. Yeah. That is incredible. Like, so you etched in stone, you know, no matter what. Like, yeah, I'm, they good. Gotta I'm good. I'm good out here. Yeah, I'm good out here. Like, I, and that's, and that, you know what? Another thing about that is it makes it um, even better because now, like, even within my own organization, like, you'll understand, like, I made a choice that was a choice that many don't make because it, it came with a lot of, uh, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of, uh, a lot of hard days and nights. A lot, like there's a lot that goes into doing something like that. And you know, for as much as people were appreciative of what I did and supportive, everybody didn't like it. Everybody didn't like it, and um, that's okay. You know, that's that's all right. So uh, I, uh, then I just hope that people understand that um, just because people don't like something or don't understand something doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Um, if, it's, if it's right for you, it's right for you. Um, if it's going to benefit you and the people around you, if it's going to be a net positive, then do what you got to do. That's incredible. Uh, much salute to the foundation and groundwork you laid at Ball State. Um, now to going into you having a whole doctorate from Ball State, I feel like you took education a lot more serious than, you know, than the, I guess someone that just wanted like, hey, I'm gonna get this four year degree and I'm gonna bounce. And I'm gonna, you know, try to make this thing shake. So in regards of being in the field of education and that was like at one point in time your specialty how important do you feel that being at a pwi being in like programs where you probably may be the only person of color oh, yeah. in the room only yeah. black person in the room, brother. how important yeah. that is to try to impart embark into or try to pour into the next generation how important is that you know for you at that time 
or is it something you always knew? Hey, I got to see this all the way through. Well, uh, I, you know, I always wanted to be an educator. So I went to Ball State. That was really my, I, I, when I was in, uh, I was, I was probably a junior, sophomore, junior in high school. And I uh, really ended up a star. And I read an article that said that there was a premium on black male educators. They, they, they needed, it was a market for it. And I was like, okay, that's a lane for me. I mean, I like, uh, you know, I've always you know, been a fan of education. I like school. Um, this, it's a job that would be available to me. They're never going to not need black male teachers. Uh, so one of the reasons I went to Ball State because it was Ball State Teachers College. Um, I wanted to get an education. I wanted to be a high, I wanted to be you know, you know, high school history teacher. In a, you know, you know, a, what's his name? He just died the other day uh, from Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, the, the the principal from uh, Stand oh, by Me. Joe Clark. Yeah, not Stand by Me, but you know, uh, yeah, Joe lean Clark. So yeah, lean on me. I, now I didn't want to be the principal because I didn't want to run the school, but I wouldn't mind being you know that cool teacher that you know. Um, Black students and students of color and urban students were able to communicate with and understand and learn something from. So my purpose of going to school was to get that education and to, and to plug that hole. Like there was jobs available. I mean, that's just, to me like that just makes that makes sense. Um, so once I got up there and started working with you know getting into the education programs and learning things, uh, my dad is a super. I mean, I was blessed to have like you know, and I still have both of my parents, which is awesome. Um, I'm gonna cook some chickens and. Some turkey, not on turkey, but some, you know, some Thanksgiving food for them and take that over there tomorrow. But he said, son, I mean, if you can do that, why don't you just keep going? I was like, okay, that's cool. I mean, he wasn't paying for it either, so it was easy for him to say that. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? He paid that first bill, and after that, it was like, oh, you're on your own, son. You got but hey, he paid that first one, though. Um, <laughs> but then he was like, why don't you go ahead and get your master's degree? And I was like, you know, um, I, let me let me think about that. So I I rolled into, because of being an undergrad there, I rolled into the master's. Uh, and that could, like spurred me to another level of education. Like um, everybody doesn't understand, but like once you get to the, la the level of master's classes, it's a lot different than the undergraduate classes. Unless you had a bunch of like undergraduate seminar type classes, it's more of a discussion-based class. It's more writing. Uh, it's more uh, working out theories and ideas. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. This is another level of education. And my dad was like, hey, why don't you just go ahead and get a doctorate? I mean, you already got that. And then with the situation, like, you can slide the, the 36 hours you got in your master's right into the night you need for a doctor. You might as well go ahead, son. And there's very few times where I've been like, nah, dad, I'm not going to do it. I did take some time in the middle because, um, like, when, when you called me, I had come back from working uh, actually as a teacher out east. I had taught for a couple of years and came back to finish my master's. I took a little break there, uh, and then I worked, started working as a doctor. And that was uh, really the impetus of my father, um, wanting to push me to be the very best that I could be, uh, knowing that I had the skill level and the, edu you know, the, the knowledge level and the, the tenacity and persistence to do it. I just didn't want to do it. Um, so I started working, with, like, after I met you guys, um, you know, I think I, I, was, I, was, I was almost – I wasn't married at the time. Was I married? I got married pretty soon after that. I want. Um, I want to say she was in the picture. I don't know if y'all are married yet. Yeah, but we were together. Yeah, so we were yeah. still together. Um, so it was. Yeah, so it was one of those situations where I kind of grew into the role of being an educator. I always wanted to be one, but you know, even in even in undergrad, I had been like a teacher's assistant a couple times. And then when you get into grad school, a lot of the, the way to pay for it for me was I was teaching speech classes. I still got students that I know. Uh, from my speech classes that I taught at Ball State and later at Ivy Tech, 
uh, that are some of them are on TV down here in Indianapolis doing uh, TV work. Some of them are, you know, still out and about in the community. So I still see them. It just really uh, drew me into the opportunity that I could, I could change lives and be a part of people's lives for the distance. Like some of the things that I can impart on on people would be things that they could use to better themselves for the rest of their life, and that really meant a lot to me. Um, I was, I definitely struggled. I was definitely stressed and I was strained because I won't say that the doctor part was that was that was dad right there. Um, that was that. That was I'm gonna do this. For, you know, it, it doesn't hurt me to have it, mm-hmm. and I. But it also was like you know I could have stopped at the master's degree and, and been okay. Um, but people don't really know this, but I had asked my parents when I graduated from high school could I take a year off and not do nothing. Well, you know, work. I'm not gonna not do nothing. But I didn't want to go to college actually. Um, so they were like, uh, "No, uh, take your ass to school, boy." So you was really right, one of the early gap year trying to take one. Because they knew if I had to take a gap year, it was going to be a gap. Like, I'm not going to school. Like, I did not want to go to school. I did not. I didn't want to go to school. Um, for all the knowledge and, you know, intellect that I had, it just was – I was I really just didn't want to go to college. Uh, but they told me, boy, if you're going to take your ass to school and stop playing. Um, I had no choice in that. Um, so, really, a lot of it is going to sound bad, but a lot of it is because of the utmost respect – it doesn't sound bad. I mean, absolute love and respect I have for my parents and wanting to make sure that they uh, they were – they lost their son. Um, my brother was an artist. Uh, he was, you know, they lost their first son. And it's going to sound – I don't know how it sounds, but I've had to be – not had to be, but I've definitely tried, and I think I've succeeded at being um, not two sons, but playing the role of both of those sons, the art. I get I do a lot in the arts world now, um, but also being an academic and being, you know, a stand-up citizen for the most part. Uh, I think that that really had a lot to do with my educational experience. And like I said earlier, um, school was kind of like a safe place for me. I got into less trouble uh, or I put myself in you know, less situations uh, to get or find trouble when I went to school. And then after a while, it became kind of like who I was. Uh, and, I, and I liked that role. Like if you know anything about African history, the role of the griot or the griot in African culture is very important. The historian, the oral storyteller. Um, so I feel that my part of my role is to be that Socratic individual that sits on the, you know, that now I don't need the students to be on their knees or be, you know, it's an Indian style below me. I believe we all people, we can sit some stand up chairs, but mm-hmm. I want to be able to impart individuals and groups with information that's going to help them be better moving forward. Um, so I think that my parents, certainly my pops, saw that in me. Um, maybe even he saw some of the things that he, I don't say he wish he had done, but that he thinks that he could have done if he had had the opportunities and wanted to make sure that I uh, utilized the opportunities that I had to the utmost. And I think that through that, it created an individual that's been able to do a lot of different things, uh, learn a lot from a lot of people, and also have uh, an impact on a great deal of individuals. Um, like I made the joke, not a joke, but it's the truth. Like I can go to any city, pretty much any city in this country, touch down and be good. Like either I've got people there. Like I missed you when I was down in Atlanta. Like I, I had to pick up people there. Like if I need, if I need whatever I need, I've always got it covered. I rarely have to worry about finding a place to stay. I've always got somebody that's got my back, and I think part of that is because um, of the legacy of education that I have, and and and, and being around and being helpful and, and trying to help people learn as I learn about being myself. And I definitely see that full 
like scope because even how you were speaking about your parents, um, especially your dad, and you know him basically saying like, "Oh well, you might as well. Well, you might as well." I can tell that the, the relationship that you do have with him is strong and rooted in something that, of course, the stereotypes and what media will say is that there isn't a black man in the household, and they aren't they aren't involved, and they don't you know. There's all these negative connotations. But yet and still, like, I don't have to look far, even my own dad, to be like, oh, no, he was present. He was active. They were like, no, they weren't. They aren't missing that. I don't know whose dads ain't around. And I do know there are people that did grow up without a a father in the household. But I'm sorry. That ain't my experience at all. And the thing is, like, I never had to look for anybody to um, to be my my dad's my superhero. Put like that. Like, I never had to worry about no basketball player. I never had no rapper or basketball player or actor or nobody else's poster on my walls. I didn't need to. I had my dad. You know what I'm saying? So I'm good. Like, uh, my dad is as cha- – my dad, he's a he's a Sagittarius just like me. His birthday is three days from mine. We can go at it, go at it. But there's such a high level of respect there too. Um, and he knows, like, I'm the only person, like, he knows I'm the only person that can go at it with him like we do. And I know that he's the only person that's going to come at me like that. And you better not come at either one of us separately or together like that because it's a wrap for both of y'all, for whoever's coming. So we kind of have that kind of relationship. Like, uh, my dad calls me his go-to guy because whenever he needs anything, I'm there. I'm, you know, best I can, ten to, uh, you know, nine times, not ten times out of ten, I'm there. So I was – but that's because my dad was there too. Um, and when I was when I was young, I grew up cutting grass with my dad. My dad was in landscape. From the time I could hold a, a bag to the time that I got – I went to college because I was tired of – Cutting grass, like this man would have me cutting grass. I'm playing baseball. I, you know, I'm, I didn't play the baseball game. We get in the truck, up, change pants. It's time to go to work. This man had me sh- uh, shoveling snow during the halftime at the Super Bowl. You know, like that's kind of. So I grew up working. So going to school kind of was like a reprieve because it was work. It was tough. But it wasn't the same. I was doing grown man work as a kid. So you know, walking around a campus and having girls upstairs. And going to class here and there and sleeping and playing ball and hooping and having food around, it was a totally different situation for me. Uh, you know, plus even with the partying and stuff, when, when I was in high school, uh, junior year and senior year, every Friday and Saturday night, we was already out. Like, so it wasn't like a huge culture shock coming to school where some people get lost in the sauce and, and they, they don't know how to act. So for me, I was like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, this is, this is pretty easy. Um, so once I got that groove, I realized that, you know, even taking it back even further, I've been telling this story a little bit more often because I'm not embarrassed by it. I never really was embarrassed by it because it's always been motivation for me. Um, just like the story about working from the point I was like, you know, I'm talking about pre-eight. Like, I'm before I'm eight years old. I'm talking about as soon as I was able to hold a leaf bag, I'm putting leaves in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad tells a story where he was cutting grass. He had me in the bassinet. I'm a baby. Had me in the front, cut the front, put me in the back, cut the back. And I'm with my daddy all day. But when we first moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, we lived in uh, Speedway, Indiana, Hermitage Apartments. My parents had a one-bedroom apartment with a walk-in closet, and me and my brother's bedroom was sleeping in uh, sleeping bags in that walk-in closet. That was our bedroom. So that's where I come from. So everything I've had or done since then has been icing on the cake. It's been benefits. It's been better than. So I'm always very, very grateful for everything that I have. Uh, I never will stop striving to have more. Um, but these are all things that were imparted to me by watching like how hard my parents worked, how hard my mom and dad worked, 
Uh, my mama worked until she couldn't work no more. So she physically was unable to work anymore. Uh, so that was right around the same time. Um, same year that I got married, which was like 2010, uh, my mom retired. Like me and my wife literally went and picked her up and got her stuff and, and took her home one day because um, she couldn't move around like she needed to. So I know what it is like to work. Um, so nothing's ever been handed to me. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing because I would never want anything to be handed to me. Well, somebody won't give me some money. I mean, it's whatever. Um, it's up. I mean, you want to hand that over. Go ahead and do that. But <laughs> um, I learned from a young age about working hard, um, being genuine, and also be, always being yourself. Um, in any situation my dad was ever in or, or is ever in, he's going to be Herbert Dorch. So same thing with Jared Dorch. Wherever I'm at, whatever company I'm keeping, whatever the situation is, I'm going to be who I am. And I think that's uh, one of the things that, going back to saying that I didn't have to have any pictures of any sports athletes or rappers or dancers or whatever on my walls because I had an individual in my life that allowed me to be the individual that I wanted to be. Same with being in my organization. Uh, and also same with my friendship groups. Um, you know, if I hadn't seen you in forever, if I'm down there with you, it's the same Jared you knew from when we were together. I'm not ever going to give that up because that is the core of who I am as an individual. Now, there's evolution. You should evolve. Like, if I haven't grown up any more than I had at that point, then something's wrong. Like, I'm failing. You know, I'm failing myself. I'm failing my parents. And I'm failing the culture because I'm not bringing nothing new to the table. But I was blessed, like I said, and I, and I, and I, I dedicate this moment to my parents because um, without them, I feel that this world wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet me. And I'm pretty decent, man. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty decent dude. And I think I've brought a lot to the table that's helped a lot of people. I've done, you know, my thing. I've, I've been in situations that I probably shouldn't have been. I've done things that I probably shouldn't have done. But all those times, I've also let those be learning experiences for myself. And I've tried to impart that wisdom down the line. Uh, same as my, my pops. Um, you know, I used to get my ass whooped. I came from a whooping house. Uh, there was a time I was hey, pops. Hey, I'm a little bit, I'm bigger than you now, man. I ain't taking no more ass whoopers. Like, this is only makes sense. Like, it doesn't even bother me anymore. Like, it's not even a punishment. Like, take away, like, ground me or something. Like, this is not going to get it done. Like, this is. It's going to end up with us fighting or something, and that's not cool. Um, right. And my dad had respect for me at that time. He'd be like, you know what, son, you're right. And even when I was younger, he would always come and tell me what I did wrong and why it was wrong and what I should learn from it. So these were things that were, you know, these are not, you know, and I never, like, this wasn't, I'm going to go buy you some new J's or I'm going to give you the shiniest outfit. You'll be shiny suit man at the, at the dance or whatever. But it was always things that, have a long term. These are this is worth more than gold. You know what I'm saying? As a man, especially as a black man in this country in this world, these are gems that he was dropping on me that I try to sprinkle on everyone I come across as much as I can. So back to it all. Why I went to college? Why I kept going to college? Why I stayed in college? Um, part of it was purely just out of respect to my father. Um, second part of it was like once you start getting into the groove of it, you're like you know I can do this. So once you started like, I can do this, you start doing stuff. Uh, and then another part of it was I knew that for me to be the individual that I am today, that I can, that can do the things that I do today, that can produce and provide like I do today, I needed to be in those safer spaces because I would have made it. That's incredible. And just it, I'll definitely attest to you, you know, embarking and sprinkling us with, you know, the inspiration, the motivation, the, the focus that, you know, 
continues to permeate today. I know I'm not the only one, but I definitely want to tell you personally, thank you, thank you, brother, um, for everything you gave me back at Ball State, um, for the free game, like you know, from the discussions, uh, you know, about the NBA finals and things like that, where we may or may not have cursed on the air, you know, with statue of limitations, may or may not, have, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> may or may not have that might have been an issue. <laughs> but in those moments, like I just there's there's a lot of game that I picked up from you. So I, again, thank you for that. But I definitely want to um continue into the lane of growth because that's you know we we got to evolve. There's no way you can oh, actually yeah. still be the same. Because if I was if I'm still having the same like radio mind I had very very young and no understanding of it, but just understanding I knew I wanted to do it. I'm not here where I am now. So of course I've had exactly. to grow. But then I also have to be mindful that, you know, this black farming that you are into now and how you were just down here in Atlanta for a farming situation. I definitely want to spotlight that because I know um, my grandfather was a sharecropper. Like, whole, like this is in our DNA. And I yeah, feel and like we, that's we, a, we, um, it's an area that we should really tap into a lot more. And I think, okay, so I think part of the reason unfortunately it's, it's become stigmatized because of our history in this country. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'm not going to do that slave shit. Basically. Um, I'm not going to do that slave shit, which I understand to a certain extent. Um, but then it's like, you're a slave and beholden to everybody else because you can't produce for yourself. So it's funny because it all ties in. So growing up, we always had, my dad was an old farmer. You know, come from a farming family, um, moved up north like everybody else did to find industrial jobs and all that. But we always had a garden, and plus it was a landscape, so we already were working outside um, doing these things. So I'm working on my dissertation, uh, and I actually was living right around the corner from my parents. I just moved them over there by me, a walking distance, and my dad would come over to let my dogs out and stuff. And my dad had never gotten sick, really. You know, he had a, like once a year, maybe twice a year, but never to the point where, like, my dad had, like, pneumonia. Like my dad's out here down bad. Like, like what the? This is not. This is new. Mm-hmm. This is my superhero. You know, he, he got some kryptonite. He out here doing bad. Um, right. So, one thing that happens, we they, they moved into this house near me, and it didn't have a garden. So that next year, I said, you know what? We're gonna uh, we're gonna plant a garden in my house. You can always come over. You have the dogs out and stuff. You can always come over. You can plant my garden. Get vegetables. Your mama can eat out here. So on Memorial Day, uh, I think it was 2016. Um, my wife and I and my dad go to the nursery, come home, and turn on the, the 500 race on the radio because you can't you can't watch it live. At least you can't right. watch it live then. Right. Um, so we have a little area that I've, I've worked. We plant it, and it produced such abundance from this little area. And we plant late because like, I've learned like you know that's late compared to most people. But the thing that happened was I was working on my dissertation, and, you know, I called the doctor and my health was not exactly where it needed to be or not, not what, it, what it should be. Uh, so going out there every morning and uh, digging in the dirt and, you know, picking off bad leaves and looking for bugs and just watching things grow, uh, not only physically was it good for me to be outside and get some vitamin D instead of sitting in front of a computer all day, uh, mm-hmm. but also it was holistically therapeutic. Like my mind was getting better. My, my creativity was getting stronger. Uh, me as a person was getting stronger, um, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever you believe in, you know, that those things were happening to me from being in that guard. And then I was like, wow, it's a whole lot of food. I bet you uh, somebody else might want to get some of this. 
because it was so much food out of this little patch that I was giving it away. But I found out you couldn't take produce to the pantry because I understand it goes bad quickly and stuff. Mm-hmm. But everything at the pantry is like box food and all this processed food. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what's a way that I can I can reach more people with this? I was like, you know what? How about this? Next year, send me like 50 bucks. And I'll take that 50 and put it right into the earth, expand the garden, make it bigger. And then once the food is uh, mature, we got some produce, people can come in and swoop it up, you know, a couple pounds at a time. You know, put $50 in, you can get 50 pounds of produce over the course of a summer. That's a good money. You know, that's, that's, that's the lick. That's, the ROI is extremely high. Exactly. Exactly. Return on investment. My dude told me that a couple of years ago. And I've been living like that. Like, we'll, we can have that conversation. But the ROI thing is hugely important, especially the more you do and the more activity and the more access that you have given others, the more ROI is going. Because even when it comes to your relationships, your friendships, your businesses, uh, if you're not getting something back from it, it's like you talked about earlier, stagnation, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. So we start, you know, I started doing this little, and I didn't know what it was. I guess it's called like a, a co-op garden or a community support. Act. Like there's a way, it's a model that's out there. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So I, so the next year I did all this, uh, had a huge, beautiful garden, uh, but it's just like the gym. People pay for a membership, don't show up. So I was still having issues where I was having a ton of produce. Like it's me, my wife, my mom, and my dad, and the dogs, and, you know, we can't eat all this stuff. Um, so I'm trying to find ways to do it. I don't have time to really work in the farmer's markets and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? Me being me, I'm, I'm going to expand. I'm going to do like an acre and have a community garden. And then I'm going to sell the produce to somebody else that sells the market. And I'm going to get paid that way. And I'm still bringing it to the community. That doesn't work out. The the, the uh, capital and physical, like mental investment that's involved with it is so high uh, that it really for one individual that can't do it full time and doesn't have the startup capital to do it, it's really just, it's really not going to happen for you. At least in my situation, it wasn't. So from all these learnings that I'm getting, all these, uh, I, I, I don't consider them uh, bumps in the road or obstacles. It was just learning experience. Okay. Now I know that's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. So I came across this idea about doing garden boxes. So uh, a nonprofit that I worked for here, big car was an arts nonprofit here in the city of Indianapolis they had some garden boxes and they gave me the opportunity to work those boxes. And once I did that, I was like, oh, here we go. Now I got something here. So that's kind of how Soulful Gardens was born. Um, S-O-L-F-U-L-G-A-R-D-E-N-S, Instagram, Facebook, all that. Um, So at that point where I realized I could do the garden boxes, I was like, well, what's fresher than going to the farmer's market or going out and picking your own stuff at the farm, growing it in your own yard. So that's when I started the business with Soulful Gardens. We, uh, we do uh, retail, commercial, and organizational garden building. So I'll come to your house, build a garden box, put the soil in, plant the vegetables, um, teach you how to do it right, give you tips and tricks, uh, and pretty much you're going to be pretty much successful unless you like just let it go and don't do anything with it. Um, and from that, things just kind of blew up um, as it came to that. I started going to the conferences. I went to the Buzz Conference, the Black Urban Growers Conference in Atlanta um, back this had to be like 17 um, on a whim, on a humbug. I actually presented while I was there, like on a humbug, you know. Luckily, I had people in town. I had a place to stay. Well, all I had to do was get down there. Uh, so from there, you know, I haven't taken any loans from anybody, not, no, no financial backing. I'm just out here out of my pocket. So over the next year, so, the next year, maybe two years, things start getting better. I start doing, you know, some work at some schools, 
working with building gardens for schools. I started getting more, uh, more jobs. And then the pandemic hit. Well, then also not only did the pandemic hit, but uh, the, the murder of George Floyd happened. And like I always say, it's going to sound terrible, but niggas die every day. It's an unfortunate, but that was a moment that was a turning point, not only for black people, but for people in general. Like it was a point, a watershed moment. So we had already lost Philando Castile up in Minnesota. Like you were still like, I was driving to Muncie every day with my license in my, uh, you know, in my rear view mirror thing, like the, you know, your license. little, not, yeah, because I'm worried about getting pulled over and getting shot because I'm reaching for my, you know, I got a piece in the car. I got a license. But mm-hmm. still, though, it don't matter. You know, the story is going to say, you know, whatever it wants to say. So these are all the things that we think about. One of the reasons I need to have a garden for therapy is because I'm worried about all this shit. So the pandemic happens and two things happen. People were at home. Well, three things, actually. People were at home with their kids. They're like, oh, my gosh, I miss my teachers. I miss the school buildings. Um People were getting checks from the government, so some people had a little extra money. And then also, the only place where you could actually engage with people was really outside. Because at the time, we were the, the belief, you know, being I mean, outside it was a little bit better than being inside. Like, I'm trying, trying to sit six feet away from you in the house, all that stuff. So, um, and also, it was part of STEM education, STEAM education. It was, you know, so it was also, and also it's about learning about uh, math and, you know, learning about entrepreneurship. So these are all the things that happened. So during that period of time, business starts getting better. Um, also, there was a big push for black-owned businesses. And I won't lie, if you look at Sofa Gardens uh, at first, you would have no idea except for maybe the spelling, even though soul is really uh, you know, uh, Latin term for son. Uh, you would have known a brother was the person that owned and operated the business. Part of that was because it just wasn't, I never want to cut myself off from any opportunities. So when I show up, you're going to know who I am then. Uh, and then also, when you're working by yourself, you don't have time to be taking pictures and videos of yourself while you're working. So that's another, you might see my hand in there every once in a while, yeah. but you really yeah. wouldn't have known. So there was a big push for um, something for people to do at home and also a big push for black business at the time, um, which unfortunately had to come from the tragedy and the strife that hit our cities. So that created opportunity for me in a lane for me, which has just now really just become to the point where I'm, I mean, and this is a, a good problem to have. Like, I'm about to start hiring people. Like, I can't do this myself no more. Um, I can't. Put my, and then, like we said earlier, um, if I'm doing the same thing for three or four years, like I have a saying, I've been talking about this a lot recently, that if you're working your butt off and working hard for three years in a row, and that fourth year you got to work the same level of to get the same amount, you, you you're hustling backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your business plan is faulty. Like you, there's a there's a there's a glitch somewhere. Um. So over time, it became where wow, I'm I'm almost to the point now where I can't maintain this on my own. Like I have to hire people. I have to bring in help. Um. Which is a beautiful thing. Um. Because I mean, it's not like I'm selling dope. I'm selling vegetables. Get out of here. Which is a lot like selling dope, though. There it's it a is. Pound, a lot of pounds and ounces and grams and a lot of a lot of competition in the marketplace. A lot of competition. There's a whole lot of tomatoes in the marketplace. And for your tomato, be the one gets bought. You gotta mm-hmm. have, you know, you got Blue Magic. The it's Blue Magic of Tomatoes. It's a brand name. You gotta have the Sofa Gardens. It's a brand name. It had to create a, a brand. Um, so now, it's, now we're working on trying to grow to the point where we're producing at a high volume, where we're selling it to markets and chefs. Um, we're still gonna be really focused on doing uh, schools and community centers, 
uh, churches, start putting gardens on your property. You have all that land. A lot of y'all have these big old fences too around it. So why not grow some vegetables for the people in your neighborhood, for your, your for your congregation, for Mrs. Johnson and Pastor, uh, you know, for the pastor's wife and for uh, the deacons and the elder board and the choir and all them. They need to eat too. Let's be real here. You got all that space, all that land. You got hands, hands. You got hands. You got you have the ability to tell people, come out here and help on this Sunday at the church or before. You know, just and I'm not telling do what I'm just saying. You have the land. Land is the key acquisition point. That's one of the reasons I haven't had issues because acquiring land is so tough. Uh, at Indianapolis, during the period of time where, like the first time I thought about getting some land, Indianapolis was letting you lease an acre like, or a quarter acre lot for like a dollar for five years. Two years later, that same lot, $5,000, $7,500, $10,000 because of the way the city's growing. So that mm -hmm. land acquisition, if you already had that land, utilize it. Uh, so back to growth, the, the business is growing. I'm growing as an entrepreneur, as a businessman. Uh, my uh, credibility, people understand, I, I worked, I lived in Indianapolis for, I moved back down here in 2012, but I drove to Muncie for 10 years, for eight years. I commuted for eight years, so I wasn't able to be as involved in the community as I wanted to be because I get home, I'm going to sleep. I'm not. Dog. I get up and drive, you know, and then like, oh, like you drive to Muncie, it's cold outside, snowing, the police is out, you know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm saying? The nerve level, nerves is racked. You feel me? So once I moved, um, once I got to be working in the city that I lived in, which was just recently, last three years, I've had the ability to really grow as an individual, both as a business person and as a community member, because I'm actually here on the ground. Um, I can be available. And also, it's unfortunate the pandemic was one of the, one of the worst things that ever happened that I've been around for. Probably, I hope that it's the the worst thing I have to deal with as a an adult. Like it's terrible. I literally haven't hugged my mom in like three years now um, because she's got some respiratory issues. And like literally the day that everything got shut down, I was getting my mom out of the rehab center. And if I hadn't got her out of there, who knows what would happen? I couldn't have got her out. Man. So like people understand, like I haven't hugged my mom in like three years. I've seen her. From a distance, I still don't get that close. Even on Thanksgiving, I probably won't be close to her because just I, I, I spend too much time in the public. Uh, and I worry about those things. But out of that pandemic, also, the ability for us to sit here and do this interview, um, the virtual technology, the, the, the boom in virtual technology, and even in podcasting itself, has opened up other opportunities for me as an individual as well. A lot of things I do, I can do virtually now, or I can do, you know, I can do virtual, I can come and look at your garden virtually and I can do a lot more things in that space. So that really was a huge impetus for how I grew as an individual and how the business grew and how the farming and landscaping and gardening all came back full circle. Uh, and then I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, sometimes I try to be a, a host too. I know the next point we're probably going to be moving to the art piece. I know that's probably what's next. So it all comes together. Um, so I'm doing the gardening. Um, Soulful Gardens is starting to really do well. I'm worn out. Um, and then I had the opportunity to, to paint the Black Lives Matter mural here in Indianapolis on Indiana Avenue. If you know anything about that, that was historic. That was like our Black Wall Street, like, you know, our Beale Street. Like, this is where Black, you know, Madam C.J. Walker theaters down there. This is where Black excellence, Black creativity, um, before they put us into the townships, um, this, is, this is what Black's, Black life was in Indianapolis. Uh, and for Indianapolis, 
to be having and allowing for and providing the opportunity for us to do a Black Lives Matter mural here was a big thing. Now, of course, a week later, they tore it up. Some people came through and threw some paint on That was expected. Like, whatever. That's, that's to be expected. But mm-hmm. the fact that the General Assembly and everybody was, you know, behind it and understood the mission, and no matter how you feel about the organization itself, let's throw that to the side. The pr- It's the principle. Yeah, if, that- you, if you don't believe, like, on some real shit, if you can't believe that Black Lives Matter, we don't have nothing to talk about. Like, that's basically humanity. Like, yes, I know all lives matter. I know white lives matter. I know my dog, Chalky, my little pit bull dog, his life matters. To me, that's just plain humanity. But at this point in time, we're talking about black folks. And if you can't acknowledge that fact and deal with that fact, we ain't got to talk about it. Let's be real. Like, there's really nothing for us to talk about. Now, all the other stuff that's involved with the organization, ah, whatever. But the, the That wasn't group, all of us. That's, yeah, that's a yeah. small group. And truthfully yeah. speaking, there's other white organizations that operate the same way and don't get that. Like, don't give me a start. Don't give me a start. A candidate for president is involved in some same type practices. But... Let's just be that. Let's just be real. Yeah. So, but if you can't dig the fundamental basic fact that a black life matters, then we ain't got to talk about it anyway. And also, and I won't lie, at that point in time, I, I was trying to grow my status as an individual in my city again. Like, I'm known, but like I said, I've been away. Like, I've been here, but I haven't been here. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it was my reintroduction uh, to to being a community member and a community leader. So that, along with the the growth of the of the with the, with the, with the the vegetables and the, the gardens, because the majority of my 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 customers at the time were black women, um, or black uh, black women either with with a man in the household and the, and the kids, or um, single black mothers that wanted to have something from themselves to work on, but also something to feed their families. Like, uh, and then I had a lot of other customers. Like I've got customers from all different backgrounds, but my main customers in the beginning of my business were black women. Like that was my first customer for a garden box aside for the organization I worked for was a black woman. Like her, uh, her and her daughters were out there with me. Um, so these are things that made a difference. And my mom was a black woman. So everything I do, shout to my the one black woman I came from, Barbie Sermon. Come on, yeah, yeah. Just be real. Like even in the art world, the uh, first first uh, cura- curatorial job I did, and many since then, all black women artists. Why? Well, first of all, they're talented and beautiful, and second of all, well, actually, second of all, they're talented and beautiful. First of all, my mom was a black woman, and she's talented and beautiful. So I just want to make sure that I get to have a little bit of her around me wherever I'm at. My wife, talented and beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Their work is a representation of my respect for my wife and for my mama. You feel me? So that's kind of how the growing from the business. Um, you know, I've been to several conferences now. Um, I've had an opportunity to meet with a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and business people in the gardening space, in the in the farming space. Um, there's a very very strong uh, culture of farming. Um, especially amongst our black women who are our nurturers, our caretakers, our protectors, the strongest things that ever walk the face of this earth. Let's stop bullshitting right there. Um, I'm a big old strong black dude and I know who the real boss is. I know who really runs things. Mm-hmm. I know the game. I'm not ashamed to say that at any point, at any time. Uh, and that comes from growth as a man as well, knowing my role and shutting my mouth at times. So that's kind of how I got into the gardening space. And I'll let you go ahead. I know we're going to talk about this art thing a little bit, but that's kind of, they came together because uh, 
at that time, so much was going on. Um, and I luckily was in the space and in a place where I could be part of those activities. So that's that's kind of a, a, a recap of those two years, those pandemic years, which we're not out of yet, but those pandemic uh, protest years really were things that pushed me to really, um, one of my favorite songs, and people are like, what? One of my favorite songs is The Gambler, Kenny Rogers. You got no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away, no one to run. Mm-hmm. You have to know these things. And also, you got to know when to put in all on yourself. So I, at that point, two or three years ago, I bet on Jared. I bet on my ability. I bet on what I could do. And this is kind of the turning point from being told what I what I, I should do to telling people what I'm about to go do. So it no longer was like, son, you should do this, or baby, you should do this, or Jared, Mr. Dorch, Dr. Dorch, you should do it. No, I think that's what I'm about to do. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. Um, so that's kind of how um, – and that's, that all comes with – I'm going to go back to it. It all comes with growing vegetables, man. Like seeing something, seeing that little seed. Little, my favorite plants are the ones that be struggling when they come out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I call my wife. She's like my, my vegetable Doc McStuffins. Like she puts them back together for me, and then we treat them. And then when you see that same little plant that was struggling, like out here earning for you, out here producing for you, like, you know, I just want to earn. I see you. You just want to earn. You're out here, you know, doing your thing. Look at you. Look at all good. Look at you. <laughs> I hear feeding people and shit. That's what it's all about. So I know that I came from, you know, I had, I was lucky, like I always say, to have both my parents, but we was, man, we was struggling, man. We worked hard. We came from, uh, I ain't going to say we came from nothing, but we came from, you know, a point where the only other way was really up, especially moving here. Uh, and also being away from our family, we, we don't have any family that lives in this town but us. So we've always had to create family. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I talked to you. I was like, man, uh, Sam is my friend. That's my brother. Like, I lost my brother. You know what I'm saying? So every time I make Bradley, my brother. I mean, I've had to see that man for 20 years. That's my brother right there. You know what I'm saying? I, when I was down bad, I needed some money to pay my rent. We throw a party. You know what I'm saying? Like, real talk. So this is my brother. So it, it means a lot to me to give back to my community. And to do these things because I feel like I'm feeding my family. Like these are people that nurtured me and, and helped me go from being that little little bad sprig to being the tree. So now as a tree, you're supposed to cover your people. You're supposed to shade your people, keep the storm off them, keep the rain off them, keep the sun off their back. So I know that was a, a long diatribe, but that's that's life. No, you we need those moments and we need to know this. Um, I definitely don't take when someone's giving you the game, giving you the knowledge, but also just showing their humanity in what they talk about and how they feel, I'm just going to be like, let me sit back and listen. Because that's where I feel like I've had to grow in within myself. Because I've always been the one like, oh, I need to say this. You need to know this. But I've had to sit back and listen and be like, that's what I need to hear. I need to, because if I'm talking, I'm not listening. And I talk a lot. So where I'm at now, I'm like, okay, I need. let me hear what you have to say. Because it's, it's, I don't know it all. I don't know it all. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know it all. So in these conversations, you just got, like, I I have to know, like, all right, sit back. You let, like, what they're saying right now, they are unpacking something, whether it be information, whether it's feelings, whether it's whatever, the, whatever comes out, it needs to come out. And that's why I have this platform, again, born out of the pandemic. Because I'm like, I said I was going to do a podcast. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You had the time. There's no excuse now. So let's get this thing done and, you know, walking up to hopefully 100 episodes by the end of the season. That's when I know I'm a for real podcaster. I know it takes time yeah. to, you know, get into it. And those are the weeks I take off and things like that. But I know for this, for me, 
it's been something like, okay, start off, I do like, you know, uh, 12 minutes and thinking like, oh, that's that's a long time. But here we are getting ready to walk up on a whole hour. Like this, oh, is, yeah. something, this is something that it means something to me because I'm spending more time with it. It's the growth that comes along with it. So jumping right back in to the art form of it, um, for me, it's all been about the music. It's been about, you know, producing and things like that uh, from hell even the event we did for the super bowl when the super bowl was in town we yep. did the movie showing at the madden cj walker again but another full circle moment it's just like when you know you do things wow like man you think about that like wow bro we're, we're out here doing it yeah for real it, on a small small scale but still making an impact like there's people like you that made things make those calls happen and made it you know feasible it's just like damn like it's it's wild to think about but it's it's real this is real life this is what we you know started from the very very bottom and looking where we are now in our fields in various fields especially within art and media and with um yeah. being creatives um and again going back to you know your parents losing their their first son and how he was an artist and how you've been able to i guess kind of coincide both of your life and his life within yeah. you know education within you know doing uh the garden box and still like making sure that he's not forgotten at any no. point in time but always honored and always on the forefront of your mind like kind of um help my listeners explain how you intertwine both of those like your own passions but also your you know your older brother who would have had just as much of an impact as you oh yeah see the thing is so and, and the point i want to make before, before i lose it um one of the best things i learned about gardening and about being a host or conducting interviews and another thing one reason i really love uh doing it like uh, getting being the interviewer is because a lot of times being an educator i'm always pouring into others but i feel like when i'm doing an interview i'm getting poured into because like you said i'm learning from and like it's just like um when you're growing vegetables you have to be patient like like it's taught me patience like i'm not gonna get fruit tomorrow like it's gonna be months but I'm going to be out there every day checking on dude, making sure he's good. Um, and over time, I'm going to see the growth, and I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to learn step by step. So that's one of the great things, I think, about being an interviewer and being on the other side of the microphone and interviewing people and asking questions because I'm always trying to learn something. So I'm probing it the whole time. Like I'm sitting here having this interview with you, and the whole time I'm sitting here taking notes about like how you're conducting the interview, how you how you phrase your, your questions. Um, you know, Some people are a lot more like direct with questioning, and some people are more laid back. Like I'm learning game as I'm doing this with you. So just to put that out there, it's the art to all of this. And back to your point, um, as putting things together. Um, so my, my brother died. Um, I was 18 years old, uh, my freshman year at Ball State. Um, all through my life, my brother was a really good artist. Like he went to Heron for a while. Um, he was he was great. Uh, he always tried to help show me art related stuff. But I'm not gonna lie. Like when I got in high school and stuff. You know, it's cool. I mean, I like drawings and stuff, man. But it's there's some other things out there I'm trying to get at right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to go to this football game and see what I can, you know, what kind of game I can play out of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a little bit different. Um, and we were different type of dudes, you know? Uh, but he always would, would provide me with, like, uh, here, watch this movie. Or um, here, read this book. Or listen to this DJ Quick tape, the first one. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? He would bless me with the music. So it's always been an important part of my, 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 my growth, too, is the things they would impart upon me. So... When my brother passed away, um, obviously there's a bit of pressure that comes with that, um, being the only son left. Uh, 
And my parents never outwardly like ever said like, you know, you gotta do more. But it just me being who I am, I always knew I had to do more anyway, but now I just gotta do a little bit more than I had to do before. Um, so when I hooked up with Bitcar, which is the community organization, arts organization I work with, I started doing stuff in the hood with them. The first time I had contact with them, I'm in 46235. If you're from Indianapolis, like, you know, Post Road, uh, 42nd Post, 42nd Mid-Offer, Far East Side. Um, that's exactly where I was living at, too. So I'm going into, you know, Section 8 housing in the summertime, working with the, the library's book bus, um, summer, summer servings. Uh, and we're doing this thing called the, uh, the Fun Fleet, where we're coming in and doing art with the kids. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, I'm drawing teddy bears and animals and stuff like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not no great artist, but I'm, I am I paid attention in class. And I come from a household of artists. Like, even my dad as a landscaper is a form of art. My mom, she used to design clothes when she was younger. And she's a writer. My brother was a visual artist. Uh, so I was learning the whole time. So working with these kids and stuff really made me feel as though I was, even though I might not be able to directly carry his legacy on, I'm sharing that maybe one of these kids one day will be the next Philip Dorsch. You know what I'm saying? We'll mm -hmm. be at here in our school. We'll be doing shows and gallery and be like, you know, I remember, um, you know, I got motivated by some guy one summer at the, you know, at the apartment complex. Uh, I had some food, had a book, and I drew some stuff. Um, so once we got, and we're going, you know, full circle, once I did the mural, I was put in a position where now everybody, you know, back then they didn't want you, but now you're hot. They all on you. So now everybody wants, uh, us as a collective group to be in gallery shows and exhibitions and show up for this and that. And like the majority of the artists that were part of the part of it were full-time artists or established artists, or this is what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, I did it because um, luckily I, I knew the individuals that were uh, setting it up. And I kind of was like, you know, I'd like to do that. And like, oh yeah, Jared, come on. Like they know me well enough to know that I'm not gonna mess it up. I'm gonna be a good steward of the whole situation. Um, but it was kind of a, you know, th just threw me in the water. Like, when I learned how to swim at uh, Night Hermitage, back, Copper Tree Apartments and Speedway, my brother threw me in the water. That's how I learned right. how to swim. So that's kind of how I did with this. It kind of got thrown into it, and I had to, I had to learn. And luckily, I've been around for the last 10 years. I've been around Big Car. I've been around a lot of art organizations. I've seen a lot of exhibitions. I know about art. Like, when I was out east, you know, I'm, I went to the MoMA and the Guggenheim and the man, I know about art. I know, you know I've been taught about it, but um, I hadn't been immersed in it to the point where I was involved directly. But then mm -hmm. they were like, hey, we need you to um, have three or four pieces together to go into uh, the art center. Or we need three or four pieces to go to, uh, uh, you know, to this gallery. Or and I'm like, oh, okay, this is real now. So I had to learn this whole time, which has been great for me. I've had to learn how to, like, how to, make a canvas ready for gallery, how to mm -hmm. apply paint, like how to do it all. Like I do, I had basic, you know, I, I, I had some concept like of drawing because I, I worked with it as a young person. My kind of had walked away and went from the art to the academic side. Uh, I still had an appreciation and love for and a responsibility to art, but I was more, my art form was more like spoken word and poetry and stuff. You know, yeah. I watched Love Jones in college and I saw you can, you know, uh, you know, the, the rhythm in her thigh. And I was like, yeah, okay. Let me go ahead and do some poetry real quick, you know. <laughs> uh, so that kind of pushed me. So I was like, you know what? With my mom being in, in the health situation that she was too, I was like, you know, there's no other gift that I could give my mom that would be better than having 
her son's art in galleries and in spaces. I even sometimes snuck in a piece of my brother's here and there so that it gets a little bit of, uh, of shine. So doing these things has allowed me um, to protect and to respect and to bring his legacy to the forefront, uh, but also has given me an opportunity to create my own legacy as well. Um, so the art thing is still brand new to me, which not brand new, I ain't gonna lie. I do have some wonderful work in the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Uh, I will not lie, yeah, clowning, bro, clowning. I see you. Clowning. So, and at that point, two years into the game, I was like, you know what? I'm an artist now. Like, my credibility, my I'm in the same spaces as these other artists are. But starting off, I was like, man, like, hesitant and, you know, uh, hoping that I wasn't going to be resented. Like, all these things, because there are other, there were other people in the, in, in the city that didn't have the opportunity that I got that jump-started me like it did, um, mm -hmm. that are super talented, um, amazing artists that just have, didn't get that. So I was like, it would be wrong for me to blow this. Like, that would be a slap in the face for all the people that work super, super hard. Uh, so for me, it's been a growing experience once again. Um, I've gone from the ground up, if you want to say, um, learning how to do all the things, and then also being around people that have – really been supportive and pushed me to do more and to do better. Like not only have they provided me like, like technique and skill type stuff, like any craft you have, you got to work on it. You know what I'm saying? You're a better host, a better DJ, a better producer now, hopefully than you were when I met you because you've been working the craft. I'm a better educator now than I was when I met you because I've been teaching for a longer time now. Um, but they poured into me and I feel responsible that I carry not only the legacy of my brother, but those also individuals that have supported me in this. Um, I gotta give a shout out to my wife. Like she sacrificed so much um, from the being me being in school, uh, late nights, staying in the library at Bracken. You know what I'm saying? Driving back to like driving back from Muncie at ten at night to go back in the morning to stay up ten at night uh, to pursuing the the business. Like I mean, I had made no money for years. Like I was putting more money into the business than I was getting out of it. Like, to the point where I was going to stop until, honestly, once uh, – it's unfortunate, like I always say, but once the, the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter stuff started going on, I got more jobs. And they made it feasible to continue the, the job. Because I was about to say, you know, after four years, five years, if it's not making it, it's not worth doing. Uh, and then, uh, fortunately, with the art, I've been able to actually use that also to push forward with the business, push forward with the gardening as well. Um, so back to the original point. Um, the loss of my brother, uh, like, this is a hard time. Like, it's Thanksgiving. My man like to eat. Like, it's his holiday. You know what I'm saying? So it's really difficult a lot of times for me to to, to uh, approach these days. It's like, you know, his birthday, and then it's Thanksgiving. Then it's my birthday, my daddy's birthday, Christmas. That's a hard time. You know, mm. it's like banger after banger. The day, like, really, literally, the day he died was 9-11-99, which you can't go nowhere without hearing about 9-11 on 9-11. My parents' anniversary was 918. That's the day they put him in the ground. Mm. And then uh his birthday, October the 5th. Uh, and then, you know, you got Thanksgiving and the holidays. So it really became, you know, it really is difficult. But this year has been different because I've been so active and so busy um, that I haven't been able to dwell on those things. And also I know that the things I'm doing are been a positive reflection on who he was, who my family is, and what we do for this society and for this culture and for this city. Like I literally am helping to build the culture in my city um, to an extent. Like 
you know, you go to, I was in, I'm in Atlanta, man. I'm in there. You know, you go to Atlanta, I go to a black bookstore. I go get me a chew stick. I get some incense, some oils. I mean, I can do that anywhere. Like, you know, that's, that's all over. Uh, Chicago, same way. You know, I, I was lucky enough to live in Newark, New Jersey for a couple of years. So I was in New York all the time. I was in Newark all the time. Uh, even Cincinnati, places like that, uh, have these areas where we used to have, going back to Indiana Avenue, that we no longer have these areas of town that are not strictly black, but have a lot of the things that black people are looking for. Just mm-hmm. like there are parts of town now I can go to where if I'm a, a, a Hispanic person, I can stay my whole day there and get everything I need without having to go outside of that community. Mm-hmm. We do not have that here. Um, and then also we don't have, we don't, even, we don't have a black art museum in the city. Mm. We have, I think we have uh, two African art museums, which people are like, what? No, it's a different, different, different thing. Uh, black, black contemporary American art is different than African art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are things that I'm allowed, I'm, I'm being able to mold so that in the future, my brother's legacy can live on through the things that I'm doing now. So that's the importance of it. That's my impetus that, you know, People be like, uh, Jared, what do you do this for? Perfectly honest. I really, I do it to, to, I do a lot of it to challenge myself. Like, I mean, if you can do it, you might as well go do it. Like, I'm a bad, I mean, I've been DJing lately. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you up now? Yeah, I'm doing, yeah, DJing, uh, you know, doing poetry readings, uh, hosting poetry, doing all that kind of stuff. Things I've done in the past, done a little bit of work with, but now I'm actually doing the things I've wanted to do, but wasn't able to do because I was so, uh, so caught up in making do for everybody else. Like I said earlier, now I'm doing the things that I want to do for me and challenging myself in the ways I want to challenge myself. But to get there, I had to set up this, you know, I had to create this space for myself. And now I'm finally going to, I'm telling people, like I'm hibernating this winter and then people are not going to see me as much no more. Um, because if I'm doing the same amount of work that I was doing the last couple of years, then I ain't learned nothing from it. I'm, I'm going to dive deep into the radio game and learn more about it because, I mean, uh, historically in our community, it's it's a beacon of hope and light. The newspaper and the radio have been the things that have kept uh, in pork. People don't want to eat pork. Pork kept black people alive. Stop it. Pork kept back. Now you ain't gotta eat pork every day. You ain't gotta eat hog maws and fat back and, and, and you know and snouts and all that. Yeah. But pork kept, pork and greens kept us alive. Stop it. Um, these are the things that kept our community together. So we can build a strong uh, basis with th- those things: the newspaper, the media. Uh, content creation, art, visual, and otherwise, then I feel comfortable handing over the reins to the next generation saying that you got it. If y'all can't work with this, y'all can't work with nothing. And like, that's really that, what it's about. That's, um, that's what it's about. Like what it's, about, it's, yeah. it. it's got to come yeah. full circle. It has to. I got, I got like three years left. Um, and then I'm focused on whatever's next for me uh, and my family. Um, so it's really important for me to do as much as possible now when I know I'm willing, able, um, to be able to do what I really need to do in the next step, in the next phase. So everything I do, um, like I always talk, I joke, I say, you know, wherever I go, whatever I do, my dad's hand is back here. You know what I'm I carry that name with me, my dad's hand is back here. Um, so if I do the wrong thing, what, boy, come on. Um, also everything I do my brother's voice is in my ear too. Um, and both that hand, and I say that people are like, oh, your dad hit you? Yes, he did. And he needed to. <laughs> Jared needed to get hit until Jared didn't need to get hit. 
You know what I'm saying? That, that hand and that, that that mouth, or that, that those words are what keep me going. Like they're both saying in their own way, you can do all this. You have the ability to do all this. My mom, people don't understand. Like my mom told me, son, you are the most beautiful, intelligent, dynamic individual that I've ever met in my life. My mom was like 75 years old. She had met a whole lot of people. You know what I'm saying? So I don't need nobody else to validate me. My mama said that. That's important. So at this point, um, I was I told my parents, like, you know, I've done everything a son can do for his parents. I continue to do that. But now it's time to see what I can do for the community that made me who I am. Uh, and part of that is going to be continuing to uh, to speak for, speak of, and work in the uh, the gardening community, um, bringing fresh food to people because um, we as a community, especially the demographic that I'm in, being a black man, um, black and brown people, we have a, a lack of access to high quality food. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lack of knowledge of even how, like some some people don't even know what, like really what a tomato look like, like a real tomato that hasn't been cut already or hasn't been processed already. Mm-hmm. Um, the greens that we love to eat had no idea how they grow and what it takes to, to, to make greens happen. Um, black eyed peas, all them good things. Like people don't understand these things. Uh, so continue in the art world. Uh, I know my skill set, my skill level. Um, so I will continue to, in the background, work on developing my craft in that, but I won't be as out personally, but I will always create opportunities um, for others to be on walls and places, um, for others to have exposure, for others to be uh, communicating with the masses, because it's important that you you build those uh, those areas, because once they're built and they're strong enough, they're not, they're not going anywhere. Um, this is uh, generational change that we're, we're fighting for. Um, this is this is not I'm not fighting for me like my days my path has been laid I know where I'm headed I know where I'm going but I'm trying to create other paths and alternate paths for individuals that are coming behind me even if you're my same age or whatever you know just giving you an opportunity to go a path that you might not have taken before so it all comes full circle I think that um, it's difficult because there's so many things that I'm trying to do um, but the problem is that my man Mashiri Saad soul singer always tells me like you're not trying to do any of them you're doing them uh, you're doing them already so you know I don't know if that uh, that should answer pretty much any question anybody got about that. I think uh, everything I do is with uh, also my father-in-law. He passed away a couple of years back. I told him that, you know, I was, I said, I'm gonna be a doctor. I got that taken care of before he passed away. Thank goodness. Uh, but I also said, I'm gonna take care of your daughter, which I do. Uh, and I also said that I'm gonna always be me pops and I'm always going to handle business. And I think that, um, you know, no matter what you believe in, I think if he's looking down or up, depending on the situation, um, <laughs> He definitely is uh, at least knowledgeable of the fact that Jared's handling his business. So That's what's up. I definitely want to make sure they can reach out to you, make sure they can support Soulful Gardens. Give them all the info again because I know, you know, we I like to wrap it up in a nice little bow before we wrap it up. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Soulful Gardens, S-O-L, like soul, like sun, S-O-L-F-U-L, uh, Gardens, G-A-R-D-E-N-S. You can probably just uh, Google that, but I'm definitely on Instagram, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We're on Facebook. Uh, actually, I just posted up recently an article from the from a magazine, a statewide magazine that did a feature on us. So that's out there now. Uh, also, uh, Dr. Jared Nicholas Dorch on Instagram. Dr. Dorch on Instagram. You'll find me. Uh, or you can always just go to the 18 uh, Collective, uh, and I'll be linked to that. So I'm out here. Um, probably just Google my name, too, and I'll pop up. There's a white dude, and there's me. I'm not the white dude, so uh, and I have no problem with the white dude. Like he's doing his thing. Like I be following him. Like, oh man, you got a new job. That's what's up, bro. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
but I'm the other guy. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm not that hard to find if you're looking for me. Um, definitely, I'm sure you'll have the links. Uh, oh, of course. Be, yeah, of so, course. Everything in the show notes. But yeah. I definitely want to make sure there's two things before we wrap this up. Um, I know you as Jim Flames. So that's yes. just what that's going to be. Um, yeah. So real At OG, Jim Flames you know? on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. There's a story behind that, too. I knew we were um, – there was a moment that came back to me while we are having this conversation is when I knew we were on the same wavelength. And on WCRD, of course, they weren't playing a lot of black music on there. Like, I'm, I'm bringing in stuff and things like that, right? But I brought in that uh that crit record, Money on the Floor. And I saw uh, you dive into uh, it. And I'm like, bet we on we on, we good we now. Good. Like, we good. One of my like, favorites still. We was locked yeah. in from then on. I'm we like, good. yeah, we, we was solid from then on. So I'm just again, thank you for joining the platform. Thank you for being a brother to me. Uh, thank you All for right. being a mentor to so many other black people at Ball State um that made it feel like home, bro. Like straight up. Like one point about that money on the floor. Yeah. Yes, it's a strip club song. Absolutely. It's fine. Love it. Love it to death. Yes. Absolutely adore the song. Also, though, all those songs that are playing, all those things people are saying, use that as motivation in what you do. Like, I'm not going to be shaking my ass nowhere, but I am going to be out there like there's money on the floor, and I'm going to go get mine. Talk about it! I'm going to go get these mine are, every time. These Negro spirits we give you, and I'm just saying, you got to use this motivation. I have not yes. moved one brick but I be moving these ratings in Atlanta, top seven oh. market. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what, I, I just. What Jeezy say? I take a trip by trip. I take sixteen trips. I take a brick by. And that's the, that's the mentality you have to have. Absolutely. I'm not saying go out and do the things that they talk about doing. I'm just saying that yeah. mentality, the hustler's mentality has has to be had. Once Absolutely. you lose that, you've lost control of yourself. And like that, we out. What do I do now? Season three, Doctor Dortch. AKA Jim Flames, AKA Jared. That's this is my guy, my family. Thank you very much, man. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. You know what? Uh, more than anything, it was great to have this conversation with you. But seeing you and talking to you after all this time, and knowing that you're doing well, then I'm doing well. Man, bless, blessings. Peace be unto you, brother. Much love.